machine was slim. New Hampshire's next generation sports talk radio show. Our sports talk callers are of the highest quality, the finest quality. Every day we're here, every weekday, 10 to 11 a.m. on WKXL Radio. If you want to join the ranks of America's best sports talk callers, you can call the show today, 603-224-1450 is the number. 603-224-1450. I'm always looking for help. I am Slim, I host the show, and I love to hear myself talk, but I do love to listen to the callers even more, as hard as that might be to believe. I would rather listen, just that some people I don't find as interesting as other people to listen to. I have a lot of things to talk about today. Will you find any of it interesting? Let's find out. As a Monday transition day here from the weekend, I've got so many things written down in my notebook to talk about, but on Mondays there's not enough time. In the show, I always feel like, oh man, we could have done more stuff because I'm always recapping Friday night stuff, Saturday's action, Sunday's action. So I got a ton of things to talk about, and there's not enough time to do it. Well, time is on my mind today because I turned 50 years old today. So naturally, start to go, wait a minute, you're on the second half of life at the very least. When you turn 50, it's a big day. You start to look at what you've done in the past a little bit more mm, judgmentally. I don't know what the right word is. But you say, hey, am I living life the way that I should be or that I want to be and that I'm proud to be doing? And yes, I am. People ask me today at the bus stop as I was dropping my uh, seven-year-old at the bus stop, what are you going to do today? I said, well, I'm going to go talk on the radio, and then tonight I'm going to coach basketball. That's what I'd want to be doing. And my neighbor said, well, you're living the dream. Congratulations. And I heard her say it. And half of it's a joke, but half of it is kind of true. Like, if I had anything to be doing, I would say, okay, this is what I'd like to do. I'd love to coach me some basketball. People that listen to the show, you know, on uh, the second half of last week, one of those shows, Thursday, Friday, I was talking about my team, my first and second grade team, playing the best team in the league on Saturday. We gave them a run for our money, for their money. I think the final score was 8-5. to five. Started out 2 nothing. them. We tied it up 2-2. My daughter scored a couple baskets in a row. They took the lead 4-2. We came back on them. It was 5-4 at halftime. My daughter had three of the baskets. At the end of the game, we ended up losing. I get a text from the coach on the other side. He says, that was the best basketball game of the year. Your players are ferocious defenders. <laughs> and if you watched my team play defense, you would you would be like, who is the coach of this team? These kids, at least the top half of them, you know, they are in perfect defensive form position, sliding their feet, staying in front of the person that they're guarding. They really are almost uh, capable of, of creating instructional videos for NBA players to uh, be w- forced to watch to improve their defense because of the scoring totals and the non-existent defensive play that takes place in the NBA. One of the things on my list to talk about, Boston Celtics. Steamroll Memphis last night. Thank you, Marcus Smart, for all you did on the Celtics. I'm a big fan. If I was in the stands last night, I would have been doing that same chant that we were doing. Thank you, Marcus. 
Thank you, Marcus. Because he played a style of basketball that I would be proud to coach. When the ball's on the floor, go get it. Don't think of anything else. Go get it immediately. Always find your defensive person and play the best you can, whether they're bigger than you, smaller than you. Marcus Smart, when he used to be in the paint on the block, being posted up by Joel Embiid, Marcus always made that guy work for it. Always willing to take a charge, always willing to sacrifice himself. Marcus Smart, you were a great Celtic. And we wish you good things on Memphis. But we are kind of better without you uh, on the downside. On the downside. I wish you well, Marcus, but the Celtics against bad teams, we truck them, man. Celtics look great against the bad teams. When we start to play the good teams, the Clippers, Denver, Milwaukee, who beat us by 30 the last time we played, we don't look so... Uh, so great. The team that I've been most worried about, I told you about this over the last couple of weeks, Philadelphia 76ers. What happens last Tuesday? Joel Embiid gets hurt. I watched the replay of that play for anybody that hasn't seen it. Ball's on the ground. Embiid's on the ground. He kind of leaves his leg just in a position there where he's like not expecting anything to happen. It was kind of a lazy leg position. He should have been rolling around. But I'm not seven feet, two inches tall, uh, 300 and whatever pounds he is. This man is gigantic. So uh, I don't know what I would be moving like on the ground if I was him. But Jonathan Kaminga from Golden State, he sees the ball there. He jumps after the ball, but he pretty much puts his body weight directly onto Embiid's knee. It was actually, I feel like it was a dirty play. If I was on the Sixers, I would be... Very upset. Uh, that Kaminga guy would have gotten nailed the next time he got that ball. That's all I'm saying. And uh, second graders who might be listening to this podcast, you don't need to be paying any attention to that. That's for when we're uh, much older. Don't think about things like that. What you should be thinking about is the Shohei Otani contract. I have news for you people. And I'm going to talk about this in segment three as I circle it in my notebook. The Shohei Otani contract was like 80 gazillion bazillion dollars. And we were all like, wow, he's only taken $2 million a year? Over the first 10 years of that contract, or whatever it is, I'm going to get the specifics and share it again with you. There's a reason why. I found out this weekend on a Twitter post. I went, that's why he's doing it. That's why it was structured so that he gets all the money at the end. It's ingenious. The guy is even smarter, or his advisors are even smarter than we thought. And you have no clue what I'm going to talk about unless you are a Twitter warrior like myself, which you're probably not good for you. The Jason Tatum countdown clock, which I established on December 19th, still is yet to reset. This is a Jason Tatum game winner or tire buzzer beater countdown clock. <laughs> he just can't hit them. And not only can he not hit the, the winners at the end of games, his end of quarter... Possession stats, I'm telling you people, I need to track this and go back and just watch the end of quarter every single game. And the, uh, you will be amazed. I'm telling you, he's hitting about 10% on these step-back threes. He did it again last night. We got 20 seconds left in the first quarter. There's 14 left on the shot clock. Tatum wants to take it all the way down or as much as he can. Waits till there's two seconds. Step back. Fires the three. Miss. I'm telling you, he's 10%. He hits one out of every 10 
on the end of quarter step back threes. It's embarrassing. Nobody's saying it to him. You know why? Because nobody in sports talk radio and nobody in the media knows anything about basketball. This is the real reason why. I mean, I watch it and I see with a critical eye what this man could be doing to be better. Number one, stop the step back threes at the end of quarters and definitely at the end of games because it is a soft mentality. You need to go to the basket, Tatum. When you go to the basket, we score. When you do step back threes at the end of games and the end of quarters, we don't score. It's a simple thing. Yet nobody in the media challenges on him. Nobody in the media challenges him on this. I need to get the stats so I can throw it in somebody's face and then have uh, an interview here and get a, a media person who wants to come on and tell us all about their Celtics knowledge and ask this and say, hey, do you know Tatum's won for his last, like, 50 on step-back threes at the end of <laughs> at the end of quarters? I know that's less than, than 10%. That would be, I think, 2% for those doing math in the audience. But um, then the person's going to just give us blank stare look in the face like they have no idea. Who are you to question Jason Tatum? I'm a guy who can watch the game and see, obviously, he's doing the wrong thing. So... Joe Missoula, it's your fault, dude. It's your fault. Is it my fault the girls lost uh, or our, our basketball team lost on Saturday to five? I actually think it might be some self-reflection. I need to drop some plays. We're going to be practicing plays this week. I'm just going to tell you. The other teams are starting to run plays. I've been focused more on just let's learn how to play the game. But now it's time to unleash some plays. And I'll be in the lab ready to describe these plays to our team on Tuesday night. I watch basketball, college basketball, the rest of the day on Saturday. Oh, my goodness. Were there good games out there? Duke, UNC. I haven't watched much college basketball. I've been football. I've been Bruins. And I did Friday night watch the uh, All-Star Skills Competition. Some of, some of that. I will talk about that here coming up. But let's stay on this college basketball stuff and get this plowed through because UNC beats Duke by a score 93-84. to 84. Just going to tell you, if they play again, UNC's going to beat them. UNC is better than Duke. Tennessee beat Kentucky 103-92. Both very, very good teams. In fact, Tennessee will be the team I'm jumping on. I'm telling you people right now. You want a good play? Tennessee to make the Final Four? Definitely book it. And book the sports machine with Slim onto your radio dial every day from 10 to 11 here on WKXL Radio. 14.50 a.m., 103.9 FM in Concord, 101.9 FM in Manchester. We are coming right back on nhtalkradio.com. start to get older, you start to get crankier. Everybody knows it. The old people are cranky ones. There's probably a better word than cranky. I'm sure the youngins <laughs> have some more demeaning <laughs> term that they would call it the olds, uh, but the crankiness that goes along with it. And part of my Crankiness involves just gathering knowledge and being like, what is going on? Why? Are they, why what, what? This morning I was listening to a, a Tucker Carlson interview with somebody, and this person's in the drug profession. He says the average 65-year-old person in the United States is on seven drugs. 
the average, the typical person in the United States who's 65 years old is on seven drugs every day. I'm telling you right now, ain't happening to me. Ain't happening. If I go down, I got no problem. Don't feel bad for me, people. First and second graders, don't be listening to this if you, if you are. <laughs> Ignore this conversation. It ain't happening. Seven. Is this cranky me? Or is this me saying that's totally unacceptable, dude? That's just, that's, just, that's just not the way things should be in a society. But let's transition back to the sports and the uh, Saturday night schedule for basketball. College was great. Kansas takes down Houston 78-65. Bill Self in Kansas. Just You always got to worry about this guy, man. He could win it any anytime. He can win it. He's proven this guy is an absolute winner. Baylor plays Iowa State. And if you saw the end of that game, it was awesome because Baylor was up 70 to 68, and there was like 1.3 seconds left in the game. Iowa State got the ball. So down by two, they got the ball all the way down the other end of the court. So they throw a pass. Dude catches it around the three-point line, and they had run a play. This is why plays are important, coaches. He catches it at three-point. He passes it immediately to another dude on Iowa State, Going to the left, rises up for the shot, boom! It's a three-pointer, it goes in! Everybody starts celebrating, but no, 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 no. Let's go to instant replay. Oh, the ball was still just coming off of his fingers. That doesn't count. Baylor wins 70-68. to I don't know how good those teams are, but I'm telling you, Tennessee right now, people, jump on board. I think I saw 16-1. to I'm just saying you're gonna have you're gonna have plenty of time to root for them. Tennessee at 16 to 1, all I'm going to tell you is you will have plenty of time to root for them, meaning they ain't going out in the first round, they ain't going out in the second round. Tennessee is that good and that competitive. And this point guard they have, Ziegler, is uh, absolutely phenomenal on defense. So as the college basketball season gets cranked up, that's when I'm going to start to watch more and more. I will report back. Arizona played Stanford yesterday. Wow, Stanford can shoot that ball, but Arizona's got a lot of talent, a lot of foreign players they brought into that uh, that team for this year. Tommy Lloyd, I think, is the coach. I actually do like this guy, and at the beginning of the year, I loved Arizona. I thought they might win it all. I'm not there right now. I, I Tennessee's my pick. But Arizona did win last night, 82-71, to even though Stanford was absolutely on fire. I don't know how many threes they had. I would guess at least 15, and their big man made three or four of them. So Stanford might be a team to keep under the radar just for a first-round upset or two. Purdue beats Wisconsin yesterday. Purdue, number two team in the country. UConn's number one. Uh, Wisconsin, I believe, number six. I haven't been following them at all. Big Ten schools, huh? Number two and number six. Purdue wins. 75-69. Purdue's going to be heard from this year, too, because Purdue went out in the first round last year, for people that don't remember. First ever time, right? Was it? No, it was second. Virginia had lost once as the number one seed. And guess what? They came back and won the whole thing the very next year. Well, Purdue last year goes down as the number one seed. Let's see how they respond this year. My suspicion is Purdue is going to be around for a while, too. Saturday night. 8 o'clock. I'm home. Turning on the TV. I got to watch some sports. What's on? I have lived, like I said, 50 years. I cannot ever remember seeing a woman's hoops game on Fox. 
at 8 p.m. on a Saturday night. I cannot remember it. I, I have no idea if it's happened. I, do, I would say no. On a major TV station, prime time, 8 o'clock on a Saturday night, you have the Iowa Hawkeyes playing Maryland. Caitlin Clark. And as I watched the game, you know what I wrote down? This is cranky me. This is, I got to read this. You people are going to love this. This is quote unquote written down. I today could step on the court and be the second best player on that court. And I totally believe it. Caitlin Clark, she'd school me. But the rest of those players on that team, not a chance. Not a chance. And I would love to see it. I threw around a, a few texts with friends and family afterwards, uh, sharing my thoughts and beliefs with them. And it's always a fun topic to discuss. Uh, as one person put it, a the funniest and most pathetic <laughs> comment I've ever heard. And it is great. If I were to step on the court and play in that game, Iowa versus Maryland, I would be the second best player. 50 years old today, haven't run more than a few hundred yards in in six months. I really believe this. But uh, I wanted to watch Caitlin Cox, so I turned it on. I got in about four or five minutes. I just couldn't do it. I just couldn't watch the rest of them play basketball. It wasn't interesting to me. But I root for Caitlin Clark, and uh, I would love to see her in the uh, All-Star Game shootout. That would have been just immense. I don't know why we couldn't make that happen. All eyes. I would pay. I would pay to watch her be in the NBA All-Star Game. That was one of our, our best ideas from one of our callers, McBFQ, when he called in the show and said, hey, she should be able to be in the NBA All-Star Game. Absolutely. That would be just such a moneymaker for everybody involved but unfortunately, we didn't have enough pull to make it happen. So I'll just keep putting that out into the universe. And hopefully one day, Caitlin Clark is going to be calling our radio show. I am going to be writing her a letter, just so everybody knows. I have a top 10 list I've compiled. I'll maybe share that with people tomorrow or the next day this week here. Top 10 list of guests I would like to have on the show. Caitlin Clark is the number one guest I would love to have on the show because I'd just love to hear her make fun of me as I talked about my, uh, my prowess as a, a basketball player in the past and, and currently. It would be fantastic. What else do I have written down Saturday night in my notebook? Steph Curry goes for 60 points. Golden State, 60 points. Steph Curry, my man. They lose. They lose to Atlanta. What's the final score? I don't even know. I didn't write it down. How does a player... I mean, I know Michael Jordan did it against the Celtics that time. What did he have? 63 against us in a loss. But, come on. The Atlanta Hawks, that's not the, the Celtics from like 84. <laughs> right? Like, he 60 points. Steph, you have to win the game. What's going on with Golden State? Are they just like... Are they gonzo now? Weren't they like this last year too, though, and then they came back and won their first round? I swear that's what happened last year. Maybe they're going to rebound, pull it together, or maybe they need a trade. So today, I will be announcing a trade idea that I have. Jalen Brown for Clay Thompson. Sign me up, do it immediately. This is a hardcore take from me. I've done a lot of rambling today, but I'm going to zero in on this. Jalen Brown... I, I, I want to root for you. I like you. I, you keep getting better. But what do you do that's excellent? You step back, fadeaways. Those are excellent. Yes, agreed. But 
you like don't do those all the time. You try to dribble through people and lose the ball. His defense is good. I know there's some statistic out there that says he's ranked as like the number one defensive matchup player in the NBA. But that, that, that's a joke. That's that's like stats are fooling you. I watch the guy enough. People beat him off the dribble all the time. He's nothing special. I would much rather have Derek White guarding somebody than Jalen Brown. And as I you know say that, I I think. 100% Derek White should be an all-star before Jalen Brown should be. I mean, that is not a question. Anybody who watches the Boston Celtics should automatically know this. Derek White is not an all-star this year. Hasn't been named to the team. 100% he should be in over Jalen Brown. If you guys just watch the games, there's no question who's more valuable and who's a better player. He's a better. Derek White's defense especially on contests at the rim, that's great. And he leads, last year he was the leader in guards for blocks. Like his defense, as, a, as somebody on the other team is getting close to the basket, is, is the best maybe I've seen out of anybody who's like not a, a, a center known for shot blocking. Derek White's incredible. His two-on-one defense, when he's the one guy back, positionally stopping. I've seen him do it a handful of times this year. In the NBA, when it's two-on-one, the defenders do not stop the other team. Like, it just doesn't happen. But when Derek White's back, it does. His three-point shooting? Elite. He's over 40%. Jalen Brown's like 34 35%. I'm sorry. Derek White definitely should be an all-star over Jalen Brown. And I... I, it's time to move Jalen Brown's contract. It's a man who thinks he's better than he is. Maybe in some way, shape, and form, similar to me. Maybe I think I'm better than I am on the radio, but that's up to you to tell me. WKXL Radio, this is the Sports Machine with Slim, 1450 AM, 103.9 FM in Concord, 101.9 FM in Manchester, New Hampshire Talk, Radio.com. We're coming back to talk about Shohei Otani's contract. You won't believe this. WKXL Radio. I'm going to read a tweet from Twitter. Somebody known as at Travis underscore IN. And this tweet came about just within the last day or two. First time I'd seen this or thought of this. Maybe you're smarter than me and have already figured this out. Or maybe you'd seen it somewhere else a month ago. I have no idea. I am sheltered in some way, shape, or form. But let me read this post to you. Meet Shohei Otani, comma, the man who signed one of the smartest deals in sports history and angered the California Democrats in the process. After the 2023 season, he signed a deal with the Los Angeles Dodgers for $700 million over 10 years. The deal would have originally been $70 million per year, costing him a total of $330 million in taxes. Instead, he's taking $2 million per year for 10 years and then deferring the remaining $680 million until after he's done and moves out of California. Now he'll pay only $9 million in taxes. 
taxes. California Democrats are furious in trying to change the laws. What are the chances all athletes start doing this? Now, I don't know if all these numbers are correct. Yes, the 10-year, $700 million piece of it, that is correct. That is the total dollar amount for Shohei Otani's contract, which starts, I guess, next season, right? And he is taking $2 million per year for 10 years and deferring the other $680 million. Now, I don't know these other numbers where he said the, the, it would have originally cost him a total of $330 million in taxes. I don't know where he's getting that number for, from. I don't know the income tax laws for the state of California. But what I do know is this, this is ingenious. If the guy is actually going, you know, doing it for this reason and he is going to move and will not have to pay that income tax for the state of California... Well, maybe he moves back to Japan or something and isn't, doesn't have to pay the, any taxes at all. Like for the U.S. income tax, I would think he must still have to pay U.S. income tax. But I don't know how much he'd have to pay for California state income tax. So obviously, if you move to a state where there's no income tax, you're going to save at least some amount of money. And that, to me, just is like, wow, what an eye-opening situation. Absolutely. Absolutely, why not do this? Makes a ton of sense to me. Go get him, Shohei Otani. Just hope the dollar doesn't completely, completely collapse in the next 10 years. Buy some Bitcoin with the $2 million a year you're getting between now and then. That might be my uh, one financial investment uh, piece of advice that I would, I would tee up to you between now and then. But uh, wow. Imagine that, and I can imagine the people in the California government. Yeah, they're probably, once they hear it, like, what? <laughs> that's, the, that's not good. Don't let that get out. Don't let that get out as a way to kind of circumvent the, uh, the tax laws of the state. NHL, all-star game. It was yesterday, and they do a weird format with it, where they're doing like three-on-three, three, and it's almost like a, I mean, it is a, a competition, like a tournament. Where the winner moves on, loser goes away. David Pasternak had a nice shootout goal at the end of the first game to secure his team a victory. Nice job, Pasternak. He was not named MVP, though, as I had predicted. Um, I watched some of that skills competition on Friday night. Here's what I'm going to tell you, and it's funny, because when Thomas, our uh, hockey expert who was on the show last week, when he came on, he was saying how he feels Connor McDavid is going to make a run and a big push at the points title for this year. I think he's won it the last couple of years. And I don't know much about the Connor McDavid guy, but I was happy to see some of the skills competition. And in the, the for people that don't know, there were six different events. Each player got to pick four of them, and then you kind of move on from there. The one piece I, I will say about McDavid is if you look at the replay – there was an event where the hockey pucks were lined up in a straight line, starting kind of not close to the net, but closer than the others. And then each one was about maybe a yard further back, going down the other end of the ice. And you had to skate. You had to get the one puck, go shoot it. Skate back around, get the next puck, go in and shoot it. And you had to see how many times you would score goals. The winner would be who could score the most amount of goals. Well, the first play I saw from Connor McDavid when he had a chance to build up speed and get the puck, it was so effortless, effortless and just graceful. 
and unstoppable. I think it was Colorado's goalie who was matched up against him. He had absolutely no chance. And, and as I watched this, I was like, McDavid was just all out, going as fast as he could to try and score this goal because he wanted to get back and get the next one because the faster you skate, the more shots you'd be able to get because more pucks you would reach. So McDavid, you could tell, was like into this. He wanted to win this competition. The first goal, immense, incredible. He ended up shooting, I'd say, 10 pucks total. I think he got one other one in. But by the end, I'm watching, it's just like, dude, that Colorado goalie, he's got you stonewalled. You know, McDavid came out, and he has all the talent in the world. If you watch that first goal, it's like, dude, how? It's like a robot. Incredible, just how smooth and fast the move was. Polished, boom, right in the net. But he couldn't bring it again. And then he kind of tired out towards the end. And as I was watching, I was just like, dude, that team's not going to beat them in the playoffs. And that's, that's what the skills competition really was about. It was a matchup of like goalies against the players on the other teams at some level. And Swayman did us proud. Swayman was in the event, and he I think he let in two or three goals in his time out there in this uh, particular one I'm talking about. I was impressed with him, as I've been all year, as you will be too. You should be watching the Boston Bruins as we move along. In the NHL season, we're in the second half. I mean, we've probably got 30 regular season games to go. The big one I, for me that I circled for this week, Edmonton's at Vegas tomorrow night. Edmonton's won 16 games in a row. Vegas is the defending champion. And it really wasn't close last year. Florida took us out in the first round. Florida ends up winning a couple other game uh, series. They go to the finals against Vegas. Last year in Vegas, just totally steamrolled, steamrolled them. It was, it was, I mean, it wasn't even a fair fight. Vegas ain't been playing so great this year yet, but my suspicion is tomorrow night, Edmonton and Las Vegas to kick off the second half here for those two teams. That'll be a game you want to watch. Edmonton, 16 games in a row. This is what the Bruins will be up against as the season moves along here. That's the other side of the bracket. Heck, I didn't even mention Vancouver. I mean, if you ask most hockey fans, they might say the three best teams in the league are on the other side of the bracket. The Bruins are over here in the east, and uh, we got a heck of a shot to be going places this year, led by Jim Montgomery, the Bruins head coach, the right man for the job. Who's the right man for the job to coach the Celtics? I don't know. Is it Joe Mazzulla? The end of the game last night. And this is how you know. you got to really be able to reach these players because it's just mind-blowing. Celtics get the ball. 25 seconds left. We're up. We, the Celtics won 131-91, I have written down. I believe that was the right score from last night. This absolute steamroll. Right, 131-91. Teams are going back and forth. It's all the, the, the bench players playing at the end of the game. Celtics get the ball. 24 and a half seconds. 25 seconds left in the game, whatever it is. Come down on offense. Hold the ball. Hold the ball. Hold the ball. And instead of just shooting it, whether it goes in or not, who cares? Just keep playing. The Celtics hold the ball, whistle blows, 0.7 seconds. Come on, Memphis, come on, out of bounds. Take the ball out, throw it in. Can you think of a bigger waste of our time for real? Like, how soft are today's athletes that... Oh, don't shoot. It might make somebody on the other team mad if you make a shot. 
Like, what a joke, dude. It, there's one second left. Shoot the ball. Keep it going. Why do we need to stop the clock and stop the game? It's just so insane. And this is why, like, the coach of the Celtics, you need to put a stop to it, dude. It's not just a small thing. Like, this is just dumb. This is just something that – stop it. Stop it. You've been going up and down a 30-point blowout game for the last six to eight minutes. Now, all of a sudden, the score's up 40. You need to just hold the ball so that we can blow the whistle and the other team has to go over and inbound it. Like, this is insanity. What is wrong with these people? Somebody needs to step up and say it. Joe Mazzulla should do it at a press conference. As he said last week with Buddy Heald doing his shooting, Joe Mazzulla said, well, yeah, I would go in and block him. Well, dude, do I have to go in and tell you that this is ridiculous? Like, apparently I need to go in and block Joe Mazzulla and tell him what to say to his team in the post-game interviews. We're letting the clock run out. So it's embarrassing. It's just, it's, it's sad. Hashtag sad. The Sports Machine with Slim. We're going to be talking about the upcoming big football game. That's what I want to talk about next, the Super Bowl action. Let's go. WKXL Radio, 1450 AM, 103.9 FM in Concord, 101.9 FM in Manchester, New Hampshire, talkradio.com. Congratulations. Congratulations are in order. For Mr. Jordan Walsh. I believe that's his name. Made his first basket as a member of the Celtics last night. First real NBA hoop. This is our uh, first round draft pick for the Boston Celtics last year out of Arkansas. Man with the bald head who hustles, hustles, hustles on defense. And the Celtics have brought him up now. Apparently they're going to let him play a little bit, I guess, here. As I watched him play last night, he fits in. In fact, he brings a lot of what I think the starters sometimes lack, and that's just next-level energetic hustle. I see it out of O'Shea Brissett. I see it out of Jordan Walsh. I want more of those guys. I want minutes. I want minutes for them, and I'm talking playoff minutes too. As I welcome in a caller here, just to kind of preview this, I'd like to once again say Steve Belichick, coach of, former coach, Defensive assistant, linebackers coach, whatever he was, whatever he was for the New England Patriots, the man with the mullet, Bill Belichick's son with the mullet, awful haircut. Um, he has been named a defensive coordinator at the Washington Huskies, who were in the national championship game just a few short weeks ago. So he's taken his name and has parlayed that into a defensive coordinator role with a legit like national title contending level college football program. I'd like to say this is nepotism in play, but Bill Belichick is involved with Washington, so apparently Steve Belichick has gotten this job of his own accord. And as I intro the caller, I would say my brother Dave, he is a caller on the show, not through any form of nepotism, but because he is an excellent sports talk radio caller, and I'm glad to have him on the show. Good morning, Slim. It is uh, Super Bowl week. And if there was ever a week that I was going to make an appearance every day, it is going to be Super Bowl week. Yay! We love to hear from you. Dave is our best uh, picker, handicapper of games, I would say. If we track the totals, he's been pretty money for us. I do my best for the listening audience, and I will once again 
uh, put myself out there at the end of the week with my picks for Sunday and see if we can make everybody a little bit of money. Does the fact that Patrick Mahomes' father was arrested here just a couple of days ago, I guess charged with his third DWI offense um, in his life, and I guess that steps up the, uh, the charges. It's punishable by up to 10 years in jail. Uh, do you think that has any impact on Patrick Mahomes' mind here over the course of this week? I'd imagine it does. <laughs> I don't know. It doesn't to me. It's irrelevant to me. If, uh, if what our family members did in life was really going to impact us, I think we'd all be terrible messes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. I, it does to me. I, I think that takes the focus off the ball a little bit and uh, makes me stronger in my opinion that the San Francisco 49ers will be winning it all on Sunday and most likely by a score of either one or two. I'm on record. It's been since last week, Dave. I'm going to stay, stay with it. The line right now, San Francisco is minus two. Although 65% of the handle, that's the total money being bet, 65% of, the, of that is on Kansas City, and 70% of the bets overall are on Kansas City. Does that factor at all into your decision-making criteria? It does not. I, I've just broken down the game at every level. I look and I think I, I see where I think there are advantages for certain teams and then disadvantages for certain teams. So when you say you think San Fran's going to win by one or two, of course the logical question that comes to my mind is, well, Jim, why do you think San Fran is going to win by one or two? Well, I, bu- I laid this out for people last week, I think on Tuesday's show. The betting line has moved from minus two and a half to approximately one. Over the course of the last week, that's where it bounced around, especially Wednesday, Thursday last week. It was bouncing between minus two and a half and minus one. San Francisco always being favored. And as I explained to people, a lot of folks like to bet the money line especially with its Kansas City, because right now if you bet Kansas City on the money line, meaning they're going to win the game, if you bet 100, you'll get back 110. If you bet Kansas City plus two points, you have to bet 110 to win 100. And in this game, I think if you're going to bet Kansas City, you just think they're going to win. So the majority of people betting Kansas City are doing it on the money line. The majority of people betting San Francisco are given the two points. How do both sides lose? if San Francisco wins by one or two, and I just want to bet that both sides are going to lose. I like that bet. So in your mind, you were just going to get on Vegas and say, I'm going to, I'm going to bet what I think is the right outcome for Vegas because they're in the business of making money. Whereas with me, I actually try to look at information <laughs> and break down a game to come up with the picks that I make. And that might be why I have slightly more success in my gambling career than you do. I have been basing my bets for 50 years on information, and it hasn't gotten me anywhere. <laughs> I don't think it's going to get you anywhere this Super Bowl as well, because I do not <laughs> believe that, that San Francisco is going to win by one or two. <laughs> That's all right. If they win by more than one or two, I'm happy too, because I got some big-time futures plays and parlays <laughs> with them with the Celtics and the Bruins, which I will reveal if, in fact, we can get the first leg of this closed off on Sunday. This is actually kind of a big thing for me. It'll be giving me a lot of uh, topics and uh, content moving forward if I can get a San Francisco victory this weekend, Dave. Tell me in your soothsaying uh, moments here, is there a chance that the, you feel that San Francisco might be able to win this game? I do think there's a, a chance that San Francisco can win this game. I think ultimately it comes down to can they keep Patrick Mahomes in the pocket? 
Kansas City has been dangerous. Patrick Mahomes is maybe the most lethal quarterback with his legs. And when I say that, it's not because he runs for a ton of yards. It's because he buys a lot of time in the pocket. And so the way San Fran wins this game is if they're able to keep him in that pocket. Now, you got Joey Bosa or, or uh, Bosa or Nick Bosa. I don't even know which one of the Bosa brothers over there. And then you got Chase Young it's on the other side of the line. So you've got two well-known, high-drafted quarterback getters that we'll see what, you know, how the San Fran uh, linebacking core does. But I think that's the key to this game. Is, is San Fran able to keep him in the pocket? and reduce what he can do with his legs. It ain't going to happen with just the front four. I'm just going to tell you here. And this is why I do kind of like the over 47 and a half. I watched the game against Detroit, Dave, and Steve Wilkes, who's the defensive coordinator for San Francisco, he didn't change anything. He did in the last seven minutes, finally, of the game. But for the most part, you got the down four linemen. They're rushing the quarterback. And you got the four linebackers in a line straight, pretty much, about seven yards off the ball. And he just lets everybody run. Well, Patrick Mahomes is going to evade the rush from those four front four guys because Chase Young and Nick Bosa, they both like don't hold the edge. Like in Belichick's world, everybody do your job. It ain't like that. It's go get the quarterback and they overextend themselves and Patrick Mahomes is going to exploit that. If you don't have those other four linebackers ready to penetrate those holes viciously, something bad's going to happen. So it has taken all of five minutes for us to come to our first disagreement. I think the over-under should be 42 maybe 41 and a half. I don't see a lot of points being scored in this game. And, you know, therefore, of course, 47 and a half. I'm, I'm on the under, but I really I like the under a lot in the game. Well, I would say San Francisco probably not going to score a ton, ton, ton of points because Brock Purdy's kind of stinks. In fact, he, to win the Super Bowl MVP, is 2-1 to one right now. Patrick Mahomes, I think, is plus 140. Purdy's 2-1. to one. McCaffrey is 450, four and a half to one. Anybody out there playing MVPs, McCaffrey's a no-brainer pick. If San Francisco's winning, it's because of McCaffrey. It ain't because of Purdy. Well, McCaffrey's the real MVP. I mean, it's become a quarterback award, but if you watch football this year, McCaffrey was next level. I mean, that team didn't function without him when he was hurt. When he went to the sidelines, they were just a different team. So I'm with you. I mean, McCaffrey, if San Fran wins, I think is much more likely, much better value than a Brock Purdy. Yeah, and he went to Stanford, for people that don't remember. I mean, he got drafted by Carolina. He had his career with Carolina, I don't know how many years, four, Dave, or so. And then last year, he gets traded from Carolina to San Francisco. That's, I mean, people kind of forget as time goes on, but that's a homecoming of sorts for this guy. And it's just been a magical ride. I mean, San Francisco, the first two games of the playoffs, they should have lost. Green Bay was better than them, and they should have lost to Detroit. Like, what is San Francisco even doing here, Dave? Well, it's, it's funny because Dan Fran, I think, in both of those matchups, they talked about Brock Purdy as the MVP guy. He was supposed to be the much better quarterback against Jordan Love. Yeah. And then we watched that game, and I think everybody walks away thinking Jordan Love is a really, really good quarterback. And then you fast forward, and there they're playing Jared Goff in Detroit. And again, it's Brock Purdy supposed to be the better quarterback, the MVP caliber quarterback, and it doesn't shine through. Now all of a sudden you fast forward to the Super Bowl, and he's playing against Patrick Mahomes. There's, there's no pressure on Brock Purdy now. I mean, if we thought there was pressure on him the last couple of games, like there's none on him now. None, but I don't think he's tall enough, Dave. I just think like we could be the momentum or the the motivation player, and I play that card a lot, uh, where nobody's expecting much from him, so he's gonna have a big game. But he just throws too many passes that get knocked down at the line of scrimmage. I don't think he's big enough to make an impact in this game. I really don't. I think they try to hide him. 
I, I do as well. I think they're going to run the ball an awful lot. And Kansas City has been very good against the run, so it might seem like that's a bad strategy. But I think that both teams want to shorten this game up. I don't I don't think Kansas City has the weapons on the outside. I think they're healthy. And Rasheed Rice has been much better second half of the year. But I think on, on their world, Isaiah Pacheco gets 20 carries and 100 yards, and they think they win. And I think similarly, San Fran thinks the same thing. Christian McCaffrey gets 20 carries, has 120 yards. They think they win. Way to lay the groundwork for the week, Dave. I'm going to go into the lab and find some new topics. We'll be coming to people all week long with betting insight, with the sports machine, with Slim and our expert callers. Thanks, Dave. WKXL Radio, 1450 AM, 103.9 FM, Concord, 101.9 FM in Manchester, NH talkradio.com. We'll be here all week, and we will have the Super Bowl winner for you. Stay tuned.